When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket and I suppose we call it Watch Along really because we've got the IPL game between Kings Eleven Punjab and the Mumbai Indians on live as we speak. Simon Hughes here joined by Simon Mann and I'm delighted to say also Prakash Wakanka again live from Pune in India to give us a bit of an Indian lowdown on the situation both in the IPL and this, this match as it's uh, turning out. In fact it's turning out to be a bit of a mismatch at the moment with the Kings 11 92 for 3 chasing 191 that the Mumbai Indians made. It's been a big day of cricket actually with this match in progress uh, one of the Vitality Blast quarterfinals in progress and three semi-finalists already known for the Vitality Blast. Gloucestershire beat Northants, Lancashire beat Sussex and Surrey beat Kent. So we know three of the semi-finalists. Gloucestershire, Lancashire, Surrey. Gloucestershire, Simon, into the semi-finals of the Vitality Blast. And you watched it as well and you must be very pleased. I did. I watched it on the feed and it was an absolutely emphatic performance by Gloucestershire. Normally they fall at the quarter-final stage but not this time round. In fact, the game only lasted for two hours and 20 minutes. And I mean, they'd just be getting going in an IPL match after two hours and 20 minutes. I mean, they normally last about three hours, 54 hours. But Gloucestershire, I mean, they absolutely had North Hans on toast. I mean, they, they restricted them. They bowled brilliantly. And then North Hans you know, had absolutely no answer to Gloucestershire's aggressive batting. When, when Gloucestershire went out to bat and they needed uh, just over 100 to win, they knocked them off. They had stacks of overs to spare. It was one of the most one-sided sort of big matches I think I've ever seen. And uh, Northamptonshire's performance was, was woeful, absolutely woeful. But Gloucestershire will go into finals day as one of the underrated teams. But they finished top of their group. They've won their quarter-final emphatically. So if they do get on the field over the weekend, and there's no guarantee of that because Storm Alex is on his way, then they could cause one or two problems for some of the big names. 
who are going to be at finals day. Surrey and Lancashire already there. Nottinghamshire and, and Leicestershire are battling out at Trent Bridge as we speak. Um, Be- Benny Howell uh, was was an impressive performer. He's someone three for sixteen, I think he got today, and he's someone who he doesn't get a call up for for the England T Twenty side, but he consistently does well, and he's one of those. Uh, cricketers in T20 that is almost a bit unquantifiable. What does he bowl? What, what's your uh, what's your assessment? Well, he bowls lots of variations. He bowls slower balls. He's he's difficult to pick. He's been out of the game for quite a long time because of injury this year um, and last year as well. He had a bad hamstring injury, and he's back fit now. So he's you know, he's one of those players that lots of people who do all the stats talk about as if saying you know this this player. He's sort of one of the outliers. You know, England selectors, they should look at him for, for T20. He's also a very useful batsman as well. But it's his bowling. It's, it's, it's difficult to, to deal with. And today he picked up three wickets for, for 16. He was, he was unplayable, really. You know, they, they, they just didn't know what to do with him. And you know, every time they tried a big shot, they would, uh, you know, the North Hans batsman would get out. And he had a, you know, one of those great days, match-winning days. Uh, he, he, I mean, he's got no great pace. But it's just his variations that, that bamboozle batsmen. I see Liam Livingstone took four wickets for Lancashire as well, bowling his leg breaks. A shame, actually, that he's not at the IPL. He's such an exciting cricketer and did well in the big bash, but uh, not uh, picked up this time in the IPL. Prakash, uh, you, you talked to us the other night about the importance of the IPL with uh, India in lockdown and people uh, just uh, this is sort of lifting the mood generally is it still the case yes very much so i mean the the kind of following is uh, quite remarkable uh, it's rising in fact uh, i just picked up a little bit of news this afternoon that some of the uh, slots on advertising uh, as the tournament progresses are now actually going for slightly higher prices than they were originally if you can conceivably imagine that happening that's always a sign that uh, viewership is on the rise across all platforms, television and the OTT platforms. I saw quite an interesting news story, or in fact a news video today, uh, about the IPL and the impact of uh, generally the sort of swelling of sports rights in India. And one, it was talking about the, the, the value of the Indian sports market, per, firstly, which is absolutely massive, of course, and the fancy gaming market and so on, set to grow 10 times multiple and all this. But also, quite interestingly, um, Puma have stolen a march on the Adidas's and Nike's in India because of their sponsorship of uh, Virat Kohli. And they've got something like a 25% share now, Puma, which was a sort of brand that you thought was was dying off a bit, certainly in the West. And yet uh, in India, it's the, it's now the leading brand. It just shows the impact of somebody like Virat Kohli. It does. Uh, but also, I mean, you have to credit... Uh Puma's uh, marketing minds of, of a very interesting ploy uh, about three or four years ago, uh, and I don't know if that happened worldwide or it was just an Asia strategy, they sort of repositioned themselves from being a sports brand primarily into lifestyle. And so they moved a lot of their gear right from shoes to apparel and so on uh, into activity-based and started doing campaigns about evenings, club wear, and so on and so forth. And then once they wove in Virat Kohli into the mix, uh, that, of course, was the force multiplier. 
which has brought Kuma where they are. Remember, they used to have Yuvraj Singh for a long time. And uh, with Virat, they certainly have uh, upped the ante, if you will. And they are certainly uh, a very popular amongst the youth also because a lot of the Ferrari branded stuff goes on with, with Puma co-branded. Just watching Glenn Maxwell trying to get to grips with the uh, Mumbai Indians bowling. They're bowling very cleverly, actually, at the moment. They're firing it outside off stump. It's been quite interesting, Simon, actually. I don't know how much of the other IPL games you watch, but I've just been sort of watching the way that they bowled. I mean, last night, for instance, the Rajasthan Royals perished at the hands of the likes of Andre Russell and others. And uh, there's... The West Indians in particular, Karen, Karen Pollard, who smashed a, a 60 uh, today, and uh, other batsmen, um, the West Indian-style batsmen, they, they just hit the ball off the stumps incredibly powerfully. Uh, they're set up to smash it. Pollard was actually 47 from 20 balls today. Uh, they're, they're set up to smash the good length or fully even full ball on the stumps. But when you bowl wide outside off, when you really go for those wide Yorkers or even wide length balls, they don't seem quite so proficient. And I find it amazing that bowlers are still inclined to those batsmen to bowl at the stumps. Well, that was the plan to Andre Russell, wasn't it, in that Rajasthan match? Bowl it wide, bowl it wide. You could see Steve Smith saying it. You could see Shane Warne saying it from that high up in the stands. Bowl out, bowl outside his off stump. You can't whack it if you, know, if you bowl out there. And it's about bowling as much out there as possible, I suppose. Uh, and you know, he is such a strong player, such a dynamic player, but he, he, he likes to hit leg side. And if you can force him to hit offside, then you, you, know, you hope he'll, he'll miscue and you know, not do, do as much damage. So um, you know, that is, that's a, you know, a very clear strategy, isn't it? And you'll like to see that increasingly you know, well, throughout the tournament, really, when, when a player like that comes in. I thought today, Actually, that you know, the Pollard. I mean, he. he I mean, the, the game was sort of a little bit in the balance, and then Apanya played well. But then Pollard just took it away from him in that final over. They, had, they bowled Gautam, a slow bowl in the final over, and it, he was just smashed 25 off the over, four sixes. Uh, I may be pretty wrong in the next seven overs, but it felt like in that over, in those last two, in that over in particular, in those last couple of overs game over really um, it, and the, the other factor so far that I've, you, know, you see in, in this season's IPL teams batting first have, have generally done much better than teams batting second you know there have been a lot more wins batting first now batting second you know you've got three very different grounds Sharjah different from the other two where Sharjah you feels you can chase it's hard to hold a batting side there but on the other two grounds the advantage seems to be with the side batting first. We, we did see that uh, amazing run chase the other night with the uh, RCB, didn't we? A side chasing 205 got there, uh, well, levelled the scores off the last ball, and then there, there was the super over. I mean, it's actually been a brilliant tournament so far for for close finishes. I, actually, I remember um, Prakash being being in India uh, this time last year, or well, I say this time at the last tournament in April, and on the first Saturday of the tournament in April 2019 it was a super over between Delhi and Kolkata so you know two of the biggest cities in the world coming to to clash in a super over at midnight on a Saturday night I mean it's the dream equation if you're the marketeers or the TV the broadcasters it must just be 
an absolutely extraordinary situation. Just seeing a, a wicket there, actually, Nicholas Poran, 44, departed uh, off, off 27 balls. James Pattinson, the fast bowler from Australia, got him out caught behind. A ball outside off stump, interestingly, uh, which Poran had a big swipe at and got an edge. So the uh, Kings eleven quest here sort of fading a bit. But, you know, it, it's incredible, actually, isn't it, that the number of close finishes in the last tournament... 30% of the matches went to the last over. Indeed, as did the final, as you'll remember, of the last ball. Uh, and we've already had two super overs uh, in, what, 13 games or 12 games till yesterday. Uh, so it, it's, it is quite remarkable. But that's exactly what the doctor ordered, I suppose, uh, except for a couple of games which have sort of petered out to meek wins or one-sided wins. Uh, the others have been well-contested. Um, and I think both Abu Dhabi and Dubai, the grounds being large, have actually brought the bowlers a lot more into the, into play than than you would normally expect, isn't it? Uh, Sharjah is yeah. what Sharjah is. But that being said, I think it's just made the tournament a lot more exciting. And if it stays that way, we could be in for a really good few weeks of uh, exciting cricket. Yeah, absolutely. Um the score 101 for four, the Kings 11, uh, with seven overs to go, chasing 191, 67 off the last four overs by Pollard and Pandya, sort of really has put this run chase a little bit beyond Kings 11. It looks like, though you don't want to <laughs> judge anything by the, the some of the matches we've had recently. Actually, just going back on that sort of bowling outside off stump thing, you, you know, I posed the question there saying, why don't bowlers just bowl outside off stump to these big leg side hitters? But funnily enough, it is quite a hard thing to do for two reasons. I mean, bowlers firstly are conditioned to bowl. You know, when you grow up and you, you practice for hours and hours and obviously play loads of matches, you're conditioned to sort of bowling off stump and just outside off stump if you're a seam bowler or even if you're a spinner, really. And to, even though your mind says... I must bowl almost beyond the, the 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 return crease or aim at the return crease for for these batsmen. It's quite hard to actually do that when you you get to the crease. Your body sort of automatically takes over from your mind, and you still find yourself bowling, you know, fairly near the stumps. And I suppose the other thing is, it's so easy to get it wrong. And if you're just outside that line that they've painted outside off stump, you get wided and another delivery, and then you overcompensate and and end up back on the stumps again. So it is quite a, a demanding thing, actually, making bowlers bowl where they don't want to bowl, really. I suppose the thing is, though, Simon, if, if, if you're bowling consistently out there, then batsmen eventually will, will cotton on, won't they? And they will move across, and then they will pose a different problem for you. I mean, for example, Andre Russell yesterday, uh, you know, in that match that, you know, he was actually caught in the end at deep back at deep back a point, wasn't he, on the boundary for 24, so they sort of snuffed out that threat. But if they keep, if teams keep doing that consistently, then he will adapt, he'll move across, and then that will, you know, then, then where do you bowl as a bowler? Josh Butler's being one of the, uh, obviously the outstanding English players in the IPL in the, the few years that he's played uh, out in mainly in India, uh, though of course this time they're in the UAE. Um, he did an interview actually earlier today, and uh, one of the questions I asked him was, "How's it been playing behind closed doors with no crowd compared to obviously the the frenetic kind of audiences that you tend to get at the IPL normally?" And also, how has their uh, practice routine or their non-match day 
routine varied compared to their uh, match day routine. Uh, so he answered both those questions. Firstly, what's it been like playing uh, in a, a stadium behind closed doors? Um, yeah, I'd say it is certainly different. I think uh, actually at Sharjah it seemed to have more uh, sort of noise around the ground than there was at Dubai. Dubai was, I'd say, a lot quieter. And um, I don't think you lose the intensity necessarily in the cricket, but you know the crowd, especially in the IPL, just creates such a buzz and such a you know every ball was such a massive event. Um, so you just lose the reaction almost. You know the the cricket is the same, but you lose that reaction um, to an amazing shot or a wicket or you know even when the ball goes into the outfield, you know what it's like in in the IPL. It's, it creates a massive amount of volume. Um, so that's certainly different. And I wonder, if, you know, over time, you know, the, the pressure is a little bit different. You know, I think of sort of playing against a, a Dhoni or a Kohli, you know, when they stride to the wicket and the, the crowd is, um, you know, going crazy and stuff. So obviously that doesn't happen um, behind closed doors. And, um, you know, maybe that might help some of the, the younger players who are playing against them um, they lose a little bit of fear factor because the crowd aren't on their back as well. Um, but yeah, it's certainly it's different. You, you're just used to the IPL and the razzmatazz of, um, of the crowds. Um, but that does go the same for, you know, for in England as well. We get so well supported. So it's just different. Uh, and I think, I, I think the action is probably just less emotion in the game. That's how I, I sort of see it. Um, just to follow up, um, how does your uh, preparation differ on a non-match day compared to a match day? Training days, all the training is late in the evenings, obviously, uh, so far because of the heat. So um, you're sort of, you're sort of times you operate on, you're sort of lying in bed really till sort of 10 o'clock as opposed to getting up early. Um, I usually do some physical training of some sort, um, go to the gym and... Um, my wife's here as well, so doing lots of Pilates, which is actually really good for me. Um, so yeah, sort of get those in and then at, at the ground, um, probably do some running as, alongside um, the cricket training. Um, and then on a match day with a match starting at sort of six, um, sort of similar times, you wake up and um, I'll try and do some mobility and, and a stretch and some Pilates or something before the game. And then we sort of have a team meal and then, head to the ground so um yeah it, sort of the physical stuff doesn't vary too much um but you're trying to i think prepare your body ready to play the game in the evening it's a it's a long time to just sit around and do nothing so i like to, to do something have a swim or do some mobility work and, and you'd have a meeting a sort of analysis type meeting at some point would you as well that's generally done before the day of the game yeah so we, we i think that's for this team this year there's sort of strategy meetings are done a little bit before and then that allows you time obviously to to implement certain things in practice um so if you're preparing for a certain team or a certain player uh, i think it's been good to to talk about it as early as you can so then you can go to the the practice and and you know, work against certain angles of, of bowlers or you know, the bowlers who are wanting to work on a specific plan for a certain ground or certain player can have that in the forefront of their mind at, at practice as opposed to waiting you know, before you get on the bus to go to the, 
to the game and then thinking and talking about plans that you've probably already talked about anyway in practice. So some quite interesting stuff there from from Butler. Uh, it's nice to hear that he's got his uh, his wife Louise there to to do some Pilates with to help him loosen up before the game. And uh, I'll just um, give the listeners here a little sample of what he means when he says that it's quite intimidating. There's a sort of fear factor associated with. Uh, when Adoni or a, a Kohli comes out to bat, because I was actually in Chennai. It's quite extraordinary, just the, the, the impact that that has on the crowd. So just take a listen to this. It's mad, isn't it? And it, it, the DJ starts in, encouraging the crowd to shout Doni here, I think. How you, how you sort of concentrate, Prakash, when you're supposed to be the bowler, uh, you know, trying to deal with that. Never mind actually having to bowl to Doni. Maxwell's just perished there in Abu Dhabi, slogging one down deep mid-wicket, so... The, the last rights seem to be upon the Kings 11, 107 for five they are. So how do you cope with bowling at Dhoni with all that racket? Uh, I suppose it doesn't hurt to have, uh, if you're deaf, I think that's one way you could do it, but not too many cricketers would be. Uh, I think, to be honest with you, it, it must be something that players must be working on. I mean, we all hear about sportsmen sort of tuning, tuning off, getting into the zone, not being affected by everything that goes around uh, outside the ground or the playing arena. And I think they'll have to do that. My biggest worry with that kind of sound and din is uh, whether umpires pick up, uh, you know, the odd nick or whether, you know, fielders can hear each other or calling is, is lost in between. Those must be bigger challenges. But yes, I mean, Dhoni walking out to bat in Chennai or Kohli in Bangalore, uh, is, is absolute madness because uh, they have been adopted sons, both of them, to those two cities. And today, if either of them decided to contest for the chief minister's post, they'd win hands down. Just one of the things we're getting here in, in, the, in the coverage in the UK is we, we are getting the crowd effects. You know, as players are hitting shots, if they're getting caught, there's, you know, <laughs> crowd effects are being played in. Are, are you getting that in India as well, or are you just getting... Yeah, 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 we are, we are, and it's... Uh, He's utterly fed know, up with it, aren't you, Prakash? Very annoying, to be honest. Because, you know, you, you know what, what the reality is, and, and I can understand a little bit of a sort of background just to make it a little bit real. But to hear, uh, you know, players shouting, row, hit, row, hit, when you know there are about 17 people other than the two teams, <laughs> it's, it's a bit funny. Uh, I don't know why they're doing it, but like I said to Simon the other day, some researchers somewhere must be telling the channel owners that it works. And that's also, the world we live in now, isn't it? Well, also, sorry, they've got someone whose job it is to, to you know, fade in the sound effects and so we'll get the right sound effect for the... For the right moment, you really, you really got to be on the ball, haven't you? Is that sort of, that sound technician for a, for an IPL game? It's amazing sort of job creation that, that that's going on in, in this season's tournament. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, I I think it must be uh, uh, a 
horrific job, I must, I personally think, to be keeping track. I mean, imagine if the players have taken a single and then you get the uh, the sound effects wrong. I don't know how they're fading these in and out. They must be a huge bank of these pre-recorded uh, sounds. Can't be easy. Unless they've got artificial intelligence doing that now. Well, they probably have, yeah. I mean, it, it, in a way, it's, it is much harder, isn't it, for... Uh, someone doing this on cricket than it is, say, in football, where you just have a sort of general hubbub of noise and, you know, the ball starts right. surging up the, the forward end, uh, then you get the, the, the crescendo, it just increases. Whereas in cricket, there are so many sort of nuanced sounds, like the LBW shout, which is turned down, or the ball, which you think is going to go for four and the fielder stops it or something, or uh, a DRS situation where everyone's waiting with bated breath and suddenly, you know, they don't get the result they're hoping for if it's the home crowd um you know edges that you think might have gone to hand and then they avoid the the, the, the field and, and go to the boundary so th there are so many sort of surges of sound in cricket uh which it's much harder to do but actually i think they've they've done it pretty well it, it does get on your nerves a bit in the end i think so that's why we've got this sort of little sort of general hubbub rather than a, a sort of slightly more frenetic one that they they put in with the ipl I, mean, I find commentating during the summer that having a, a little hum there was, was quite helpful actually. It just, it just gives you something to commentate against. If, it, if there's nothing there at all, then it does, it does feel very sterile, especially in a T20 game because the ball is disappearing everywhere. I think in the test matches, the focus is right out in the middle. You know, you, you're just looking at the pitch. That's where most of the action takes place. Of course, in a T20 game, it, it happens all around the ground, the ball's disappearing, and, and the crowd play their part in it. And also, of course, the ball's disappearing more, so you're expecting more crowd participation. And not having the, the, the crowd noise, you know, it's quite, quite difficult, actually, to, to do a T20 game, to give it that same intensity. And perhaps the, the commentators who are providing the, you know, the coverage from the UAE are actually helped by the fact there are these these sound effects, and I presume they're hearing them because we certainly heard them uh, during the summer here, during all the, the, the international matches, and it does give you something to, to sort of commentate against in a way. If you're having to generate that excitement, the level of excitement that commentators do in the iPad, it must be quite hard. If, you know, if all you're hearing is just sort of the echoes around the stadium of the team celebrating a wicket. Yeah, and actually I used to, you know, doing TV commentary especially, and radio, I used to actually turn the the crowd sound up quite mm. a bit because you get into the atmosphere a bit yeah. more, don't you? And you can sort of feel like you're almost in the crowd and that uh, gives you a tone which you can then reflect in your own commentary. So you're right, it must be much harder if it's completely dead sound. Um, there's been some news today uh, or you know, in the last couple of days about England's central contracts, bringing the conversation back to, to home for a minute and uh, one or two sort of slight surprises. I suppose the main one would have been uh, Johnny Bairstow not getting a, a central contract for test cricket, uh, not getting a sort of all-round contract. Uh, so that would be a significant loss of earnings, apart from sort of kudos for him. Uh, another wicket falling for the Kings eleven Punjab there. That's Jimmy Neesham trying to pick up Jasprit Bumrah over deep mid-wicket. A bit of a high full toss. He was probably a bit lucky there, actually, that that wasn't uh, over waist height. In fact, the umpire's just going they're to consult about that. Yeah, they're just checking. And I think probably they're just going to have a look to see. But Jimmy Neesham getting a top edge and 
the ball sort of uh, a simple catch to, to backward point. Uh, Ashley Giles gave an interview uh, just yesterday actually talking about the verdicts on the central contracts and actually also talking about England's winter plans and uh, he was asked about the Johnny Bairstow situation uh, and he gave you know a, a fairly honest answer to why they hadn't given Johnny a, a central contract in test cricket uh, for, for test cricket and what his reaction was. Well I hope it it leaves him still very hungry to continue and 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 have a really important part to play in the future of you know English Test cricket. It's a knock for him, I'm sure. Um, Johnny's played one Test match in a year. Um, we only have so many contracts that that we award, and it's a tough call to make because Johnny's been a very good servant for the team, but uh, he remains a really important part of what we do. Uh, he's a white ball centrally contracted player and one of our most dangerous players in that form, and and that hasn't changed, but. We'll do everything we can to support him uh, getting back into that testing. He's taken it um, as well as you could expect, really, and 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 I mean that genuinely. It's uh, it's hard news to hear as someone who has played so much cricket for England across all forms, but he um, uh, was absolutely fine, and I think he truly still does have the desire to go on and play Test cricket. We are in constant dialogue with with. Uh, teams around the world and, and um, you know we're due to tour South Africa we're due, due to tour Sri Lanka and India after Christmas and we're confident that all of this cricket will happen but you know we have to be we have to remain flexible and agile as we've done throughout this whole process and 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 at times leave those those final decisions till to the very last minute but we need to be prepared for all eventualities we, we have already um, my team done a, done a couple of planning sessions and at every turn there in, there's another layer and another layer and another what if. Um, so it's very challenging but um, so far we are, we're very confident that, that the cricket will go ahead um, and as I've said before it is important we work together across the globe on getting cricket on otherwise you know we're not going to see anything and we've we've been very lucky this summer with with the way the West Indies Pakistan, Australia, Ireland have committed to cricket here. And I think we have responsibility to do that elsewhere. Well said by Ashley Giles there to compliment uh, all those uh, countries that, that really bailed England out of a, a terrible hole, this summer financial hole as much as anything else this summer. Um, I just looked at his stats, actually, Bearstow, and his test batting average is now 34 which was, you know, it was more like 39 before. And the last two years, 11 tests, average 22. Uh, Simon, do you think it's fair that they they didn't give him a test contract? To me, it was no surprise whatsoever that he lost his central contract for, for test cricket. I think most of us knew it was coming, especially with the financial situation surrounding the game at the moment. He lost his test place. He, you know, he didn't really justify a test match contract. You've read out the stats there. You know, he's had a really poor run of it. I think it's really, um, it's a shame because I think he's a, you know, he's a fine player. I mean, he's, he's had a strange last three or four years, really. I, I felt a while back that he was making up for other people's uh, deficiencies further up the order. So he was, you know, he was solid as a wicketkeeper batsman at number seven. It was felt that, you know, he needed him further up the order. Um, 
and that, and that didn't quite work out, put a bit more pressure on him. Uh, he then went, 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 became a batsman, lost the gloves, that put even more pressure on him. So, I, I don't know, it's it been difficult for him. He, I, I felt when he was seven with the gloves, it really worked. But he was asked to, to make up for those other problems elsewhere, and it, you know, it's not exactly messed him around a bit because you've, got, you've actually got to go out there and do it yourself as a as a player, haven't you? You know, you've got to make the most of your opportunities. But I think England sort of looked at his first-class average, and they said this is a player who averages, you know, you know averages what? What is he averaging in first-class cricket? It's it's, it's fifty or something. Well, yeah, close to fifty. Higher. It used to be. You know, he, you know, he's a player that should be able to play for England as a batsman if you compare some of the other players who are in the England side and compare their, their batting averages you know Best is, is right up there and so they sort of, they wanted him to be something which is a top order batsman and perhaps that just was not quite the his, his niche really his, his niche what was working was him batting at seven and, and, and keeping as well so and I, I, have, I have some sympathy there but I was absolutely no surprise at all that he lost his central contract what I, was, what I was slightly surprised, I suppose, is that Mark Wood wasn't given a, a Test match central contract in that you, you, know, you want to look after the bowlers. You've got a white ball contract. You know, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You know, you've got, as Ashley Giles said there, you've, you've only got a certain amount of money and a certain amount of contracts to hand out. And, and the, the money is certainly something that they've had to consider. Three or four younger players got Test contracts, the likes of Dominic Sibley and Ollie Pope. Um, I, I suppose it shows also with Bearstow how difficult it is to play all formats mm. because he's really uh, mastered the, the art of opening the batting in 50 over cricket especially. But uh, they, that, that art, which enables you to, or facilitates hitting the ball on the up just outside off stump with a white ball which doesn't move much, requires sort of fairly static footwork and maybe showing the bowlers the stumps a little bit to swing your arms through and that uh, in test cricket against the red ball particularly the the duke's ball is fatal so that that accounts for why his uh, test match record is a slightly declined he's a better player than uh, somebody with an average of a 22 in test cricket so so it is a shame of course he's uh, starring at the moment with uh, david warner opening the batting for the sunrisers in the ipl so in a way maybe the the test match contract loss is is mitigated by the fact that he's got a, another IPL contract and probably a, a very lucrative one as well, although Sunrisers actually haven't performed particularly well so far. This game, uh, Prakash, 121 for six now. Feels like it's petering out. Three overs to go. They need 70. I don't think they're going to get those <laughs> even, even this year. 70 off 18 balls is a bit beyond the batting team. Yes, unless it was Sharjah and you had uh, Jeffra Archer in the last over or something like that. Uh, but yes, it, you're right. And I think, uh, you know, something that we saw in last year's uh, IPL, Simon, you'll remember that as we got to the tail end of the tournament, the net run rates really came into play. And uh, the, the fact that this is going to be or heading towards a fairly emphatic win by a large margin might be something that Kings Eleven might uh, might rule. Uh, I just think about the game that Chennai lost, where you know Dhoni came in at the end and then got a couple of sixes away, but just got the score closer to try and almost as if you were playing for net run rate. This is going to be a very very big win for for Mumbai. They're just looking at a decision actually. Seven uh, gone review, now. yeah, seven down now with um, uh, another batsman uh, hit on the toe by the inevitable Boomer, 
and uh, an LBW decision. So uh, seven down for the KKR now, and uh, that'll be disappointing. Chris Gale hasn't uh, featured yet, has he, interestingly? No, and I, I, I don't know when he will, because, you know, the, the opening partnership of uh, Mayank Agarwal and Rahul didn't work today, but for the while that they were together, they've been dominating. They're both uh, one and two in the top-run scorers as of last night. And uh, I'm sure Gail will get a game, if for nothing else, than just for uh, his sort of swan song as the universe boss in the IPL. But uh, I don't think it's coming very soon. One, one thing that uh, Butler said, Joss Butler said in his interview, actually, was talking about the, the West Indian style of bat batting and how, you know, they are... The, the, they sort of focus on six hitting more than anybody. Gale, of course, has the most sixes in the IPL, something over 300. And it's, it's interesting, it sort of fits with their style of cricket, doesn't it? That you can catch up almost any run chase with a few sixes, which is why, you know, the West Indians and obviously Andre Russell and Chris Gale are the two the most prominent, but then there's the likes of Nicholas Poran and in the past, Dwayne Bravo is another one. Uh, that that, that sixes is, is, is almost sort of endemic to, to West Indies cricket, which is a, a rather nice ingredient to bring into the subcontinent. It certainly is. And, and you know, they, they hit them big and long. And, and current Pollard, I mean, if, if cricket was a weight tournament, I don't know if they'd find 21 other players to play with or against uh, Karan Pollard, isn't he? I mean, he just towers above everyone else. And He's a bully, he isn't he? Sixes, yeah, I mean, off the front foot. Uh, you, you watched, uh, uh, we watched in this game, Rohit Sharma and uh, Pollard batting together. And Rohit isn't a small man and he hits a long ball. <laughs> but by God, I mean, Pollard was, was sort of towering over him. And when he leans forward, it's almost like he's stretching and the ball's disappearing 20 lows back into the stands. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable. The, the magic, the flamboyance that they bring, uh, it, it's just fam fantastic. And remember, a lot of them are coming straight off the CPL. So unlike some of the other players, they're coming fresh from cricket off the same T20 format. And I think that's showing in these early performances. One other aspect of this season's IPL Prakash is the fact there's no travel for the players. I mean, we've, we've all done one-day tours of India where you know seven-match series, and they, you know, that's, say, three weeks. Abs absolutely relentless. I wonder if the players are enjoying being in, in one place, or I, I say one place, you know, they're, they're three venues, and, but they're, they're relatively uh, close together, relatively speaking. It's certainly not that travel you'd have in India. I wonder whether the players are, are relishing whether that's having an effect on the tournament, whether it'll have an effect on the tournament, actually, how you actually measure it, or whether you might even get a boredom factor, the fact you see the same hotels you know, day after day after day for six weeks. I mean, one thing, I'm Joss Butler mentioned it there, one thing that's, that's different from, say, the England bubble in the summer that, that uh, Pakistan had to endure and West Indies had to endure and, and Australia too, of course, is that there are families. You know, his, his, well, his wife is with him. And I know, I mean, Morgan had mentioned before the tournament that his, his wife would be coming out as well. And, and so, you, you know, you've got, you've got that to all situation, but you, you don't have the, the travelling, but you do get the sameness of the games. Um, I, I noticed that the Rajasthan, for example, the other day, they, they played their matches today in charge, and then the, 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 yesterday they were playing 
on a new ground. They didn't come to terms with it. I suppose they will as, as the tournament uh, goes on. But what, what about the travel aspects, uh, practice? I suppose we're speculating, really. Uh, but I mean, the IPL yeah, is I mean, I'm, absolutely relentless. I'm it? only adding to the speculation uh, because uh, there is no definitive measure, as you rightly say. But I'm, I'm saying that in, in conversations with a few of the people who are involved with the IPL, the fact that the families are with them, in many cases, uh, small children, um, and also the fact that most of these teams, particularly Mumbai Indians, uh, have massive hotels which are virtually entirely taken over. Mm. Uh, the ballrooms have been converted into sort of uh, play areas or recreation areas uh, with music to sport to, you know, little card games, board games, all of that. So I think they're almost trying to create a, a sort of an environment of uh, a mini township as opposed to a bubble. I mean, these bubbles, I suppose, are significantly bigger than what must have happened during the summer, just listening to all of you talk about them. Um, and I, remember that also in the UAE, the restrictions per se are a lot less in as much as uh, they seem to feel that they have the pandemic under greater control. Uh, there is a fair amount of travel that is continuing to happen, though, of course, fans are not being allowed in yet. So I'm just thinking, at least for the early part, not having to travel at the rate at which they have had to in earlier IPLs is probably something that most players and team officials are uh, feeling good about. I can tell you at least for sure that the logistics managers must be breathing a sigh or two of relief. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, uh, it's funny, but uh, the uh, Josh Butler was saying, in fact, that you know they've even got a beach uh, where they're staying, the uh, Rajasthan Royals. Uh, so it really is almost like sort of fantasy land, uh, living in Dubai and playing just up the road and down the road, being paid a, a huge amount of money for the the privilege as well, and having your family with you. Uh, Butler stopped, wasn't able to play the first match because he had his family and he therefore had to self-isolate. Uh, this match is uh, really uh, petering out into a, a non-event with the Kings eleven having lost their eighth wicket, 124 for eight now, uh, with the best part of 70 runs required from about nine balls. So we can kiss this good this match goodbye um i kissed it goodbye Yoz, you did that that last over i think i i messaged you at the end of the inning saying well that, that game is over at the halfway stage pollard and pandya have, have, have ruined it and pollard especially in that last over it's not easy to chase i think that's one of the the, the lessons we've seen so far it's not easy to chase away from charger in this ipl as long as you get a decent score on the board of course I'm fascinated by the experience of the IPL in India. I know what it's you know when you when you're there when it's on you know you, you know, in India it sort of it has that sort of momentum over those five six weeks and it's cricket fans and and others you know people who are sort of quite interested in cricket and get drawn into it as well are sort of locked into it. Do you sense it is the same even though it's being played in the UAE or in the fact that in India. You know, you've, you've had COVID. It's a really big problem there. Do you think it's a, it's actually a, a one in a way a wonderful distraction? Actually, it's more distracting this time than in any previous tournament. We touched upon this uh, uh, the last time uh, when when uh, I spoke with yours, and, and I think the the fact is you're absolutely right at one level, Simon, that 
because of all the restrictions, limitations, uh, lack of outdoor sport, entertainment, uh, restaurants, etc., uh, the televisions and any other electronic medium that people are consuming the IPL on uh, is almost come like a godsend uh, during these days. And it's uh, I, I know for sure that almost everybody that I know uh, is is clued into this. Uh, people are following it. My daughter who's never really been big on cricket at all, has actually built a fantasy team and, and follows it in terms of who's performing and not. And she's not a sports-oriented person, less so cricket. Um, and, and therefore, at one level, that has happened. However, the sort of environmental piece that goes with it in terms of the fan super parks, the restaurants, the pubs, mm. uh, the, the whole getting to the ground, the family occasion, uh, the post-match celebrations, even at individual fans or groups of fans, all that obviously is missing. But uh, given everything else that 2020 has had, I think the IPL is, is, is a godsend for India for sure and may well be for some other parts of the world. Yeah, sports so part of our infrastructure. I think I, it's felt over here during the summer when, when football was knocked off towards the end of March, uh, people say, well, you know, there's, there's a pandemic on, football seems trivial uh, with, you know, with everything else that's going on. And and yes, in one sense it does, but of course it has such a knock-on effect. And you, you mentioned it there, you know, it has a knock-on effect with, hotel, you know, the hospitality industry, massive hotels, taxis, trains, buses, uh, you know, and all the people that are involved in bars, restaurants, all the people that are employed in that industry around sport. It, it has a huge knock-on effect. And I think we've... Yeah, we're beginning to feel this. Uh, you know, the hospitality industry here is beginning to feel it. It's, it's, it's a really good point. It's, it, 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 and I mean, it does. Be, the fact that we, we're actually seeing football on over here and cricket on over here without crowds, you know, it, it is. A, it has been a godsend. It's all got. It's got people going. It's got people engaged. It is a bit of a distraction from the the the, the sort of mundanity of life, really, and, and some of the hardships of, of life as well. Uh, you know. It, it's, it's helping to get us through. I, I sense that must be the case uh, with India as well. It, even though it's not quite the product, really, that everyone has, has signed up for. And when I think of the IPL, and, and Yosa made it earlier, you know, I think of Dhoni coming into bat and the, and the noise of the crowd and the sixes being hit and the noise of the crowd because we, we haven't got that. It's, it, it's very much a second best, but it's, it's, it's very, much, very much better than nothing at all. And, and, and if I may just add, uh, Simon, you know, the, the one other significant difference, and you may not be seeing that in the UK because this advertising and campaigns are probably more uh, just to the subcontinent or more to India, is the rise of all these fantasy leagues, mm. which are as close to you, uh, something that you can get to as legalized betting. Uh, because as you know, in India, sports betting is not legal, so you can't actually uh, bet on games, but there are these point-based things with prizes and rewards and so on and so forth, including Dream 11, which is the, the primary sponsor of the IPL, uh, and, and all the other six or seven platforms which are being massively advertised, and people are you know just, just downloading it, people are playing multiple leagues, so in a way, it's creating this fantasy bubble to get people away from the misery if one were to take creative license 
uh, on this for a little bit longer. Uh, and, and I think in some ways it is reducing some of the reality for at least these three hours uh, every other night or every night, depending on what people can afford to do. I've actually you just... Um... Dream 11, Krakesh? Say again? Have you got your Dream 11? No, I didn't. I haven't, actually. Uh, simply because it's uh, uh, something that I just haven't done ever in life, Sam, and I'm not going to start now. I had a look at it yesterday. It was a bit complicated, actually. I'm not sure we're allowed to do it over here, actually. It seems... It's an Indian. It's, it's an, an Indian, Indian only uh, thing. thing isn't it? It's yeah. an Indian only thing. Yeah. But I mean, I can tell you, I've written a piece today actually on the Hive uh, peer learning site, which you can get to at www.anewinnings.com. Um, I've written a piece on uh, about Indian gaming and the sports market in India, and uh, the Dream Eleven fantasy game has a hundred million subscribers already and uh, that market is expected to multiply by something like 10 times in three years so you could have a billion people uh, with various accounts playing fantasy games of, of various kinds the people who backed kings 11 today or picked some of the kings 11 players in their dream 11 won't be happy because the Kings Eleven have lost by 48 runs. Uh, Mumbai Indians have won that game comfortably. And the Mumbai Indians have, have won the IPL, I think it's three times. This one, uh, this victory today will push them to four points and level on points now with the likes of Delhi Daredevils early days. But it means that several teams now are on four points uh, at the top of the table. And guess who's at the bottom? Chennai Super Kings. I know it's only early days, but they're the team that have really borne all before them in previous IPLs and they're bottom of the table at the moment. Anyway, I think that's where we'll call it quits today. Uh, the game's over. Uh, the, we, we know three of those uh, finalists in the Vitality Blast. Check out who wins between Leicester and Nottinghamshire to make the fourth uh, semi-finalists. The semi-finals are on Saturday, though Simon Simon Mann says it's going to be Armageddon in uh, uh, in, in Edgebaston. So uh, it's not going to be uh, that easy to finish that that tournament apparently. But it's great that the English Cricket Board are trying to get that Vitality Blast tournament finished uh, over the weekend in October. So look out for that. Prakash. Once again, thank you very much for your input tonight as the fireworks go off in Abu Dhabi to celebrate a Mumbai Indians victory. Uh, Simon, thanks for your time as well. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday for another one of these IPL watch-alongs. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy your evening and thanks for listening. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.